0: It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry
1: and Mark Allen.
2: Hello and welcome to the Australian Golf Show, Tiffany Cherry alongside the great Mark Allen. So much to talk about, Marco, this week. Lots of big news, but our girls overseas LPGA tour, a position you all found yourself in, a few times. A few times. And uh, Hannah Green, Minji Lee just couldn't quite come home with a bacon again.
1: Uh, one and two at the halfway mark of another tournament in California where we thought uh, – well, I certainly thought they were going to fight it out. It's – It's an unusual situation to be in for a lot of players. I was one of them. I've been the leader at the halfway mark and leader twice uh, at the third round. Uh, I didn't handle it so well. I didn't win any of them.
2: Just before you go, what goes on in your mind at that point? Uh,
1: Well, you you think you're going to win. Like you, you, you absolutely 100% think you're going to win. I can only speak from my experiences, but you think you're going to win. Uh, you get to the driving range, you start hitting the wedges okay, you hit a couple of five irons left, you go, hang on a second, <laughs> then you start going – you know, just – you, it, it, you wrestle with not only your ego but also your technique – and a lot of other things. Now that that, that that was me because I'd also always wrestled with my technique all the way through. I you'd say with I'm your ego. Thing. I, uh, <laughs> I was not, not a great deal of ego of wrestling there. Uh, the ego was healthy enough. Uh, and, and by the way, you, you need a little bit of ego. Yeah, of
2: course you, Just you a little bit. Absolutely. You, you,
1: don't, you don't go to full hog, but you need a tiny bit of ego to stand on that first tee, look at the people around you who are right there, ready to go and go, I've got you today. And I, I used to try to do that. Uh, it never seemed to work. I, I, Peter Senior went past me. We played a tournament in Terry Hills, and well, he and I were in the last group on Sunday, and he just went past me like a freight train. <laughs> what he was doing compared to what I was doing was just a different ball game. Completely different ball game.
2: So Hannah Green and Minji Lee.
1: Well, they're the freight train. They're they're both freight trains in the world of professional <laughs> golf. Absolute freight trains. So I was really disappointed to tell you the truth. I mean, I wanted to sit here. I I, I was hoping to sit here um, this week and just say how good are our Western Australian girls going? Because
2: well, they still are
1: second and third last week. I was certain. We're going to have two in the top five. Certainly one of them was going to win. Well, um,
2: well one one top five, obviously yeah. Hannah Green, and Minji fell away to tied for 13th.
1: Hannah Green made a couple of early bogeys. And I can only assume that the early bogeys knocked her around a little bit and she didn't quite recover. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can be as simple as that. Um, you know, in that situation, if you see a putt go in early, so let's say you hit a wedge to 10 foot and that putt goes in the corner or goes right in the middle, take your pick. It's my day.
2: Absolutely. If it
1: goes in the middle, it's a beautiful putt and it's my day. If it goes in the corner, you feel, hang on, that's nice. It's my day. That didn't happen. She had a couple of bogeys instead. I wasn't up early enough to see what happened and, and certainly on the LPGA app, it doesn't tell you what happened. So I can only assume that that's knocked her momentum around and freight trains have gone past her in the world of golf. You've got to shoot 66 a lot of the time in the final round. Um, if you're leading. Mm. And if you're starting to shoot a 66 when you're not leading and you look up at the leaderboard and you say, hang on a second, I'm a couple over. She's four under through six. That's when Freight Train happens.
2: Well, Hannah Green still uh, still has had a remarkable start to the season, which will start obviously mm. in Australia. She's coming back for a rest. Mm. And, is she? Uh, I didn't know that. And we'll gr- regroup. She's going home to WA to spend some time with family and friends. We'll regroup and, uh, and hit it again. What hit- a
1: wonderful luxury that is <laughs> in this day and age <laughs> to come a- back from America to rest up, recuperate. Go and see a few people who can help you with your game and then get back over there.
2: I'll tell you someone else who's been back from America and come back home for a bit of uh, bit of launching of some mm-hmm. big news and, and to see her family and friends, Currie Webb. Big Yay. news. Big news this week Doesn't or cry. last week that she's going to be playing in the Australian Open. And big news that the Australian Open is going to be played on the same day, same course, same prize money, same field. As a men's Australian Open.
1: Uh, huge. And now, we've seen it work so well at the Victorian Open at 13th Beach. Uh, it's been going that way for, I'm going to say, getting, we're getting close to 10 years. Maybe it is 10 years.
2: Yeah, it is 10 years. It's 11. 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, 10 Might or 11. 11 years.
1: Yep. And the formula in Bowen Heads has been sensational. World leading. Uh, and you can always tell by the people coming through the gates, that uh, I can tell you this, the Men's Australian Open, it's been good, you know, it's nice to see crowds at the Men's Australian Open and the girls, their Australian Open that has been played in Adelaide for a while has been a huge success. That that tournament has gone crazy in Adelaide. Adelaide have really looked after it. I'll tell you both here right now that it's going to be enormous the crowds that we are going to see at victoria and kingston heath if you don't know kingston heath are going to help you need 36 you need a 36 hole venue to make this work because you need full fields. We can't have national Well, there's opens. 288
2: players. That's dying. right.
1: You can't have national opens with fields of 70. Yeah. So that's out. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. It's not fair. Because there's always a great story, men and women, somebody who qualifies as the 156th person in the old days um, and somehow finishes top five and their career starts from that. That's one of the great stories of golf. It happens at a lot of tournaments. So we had to have a a different venue, Victoria, just an 18-hole golf course. Kingston Heath missed out because of COVID a couple of years ago for their Australian Open, and in a way, it's a little bit of payback, which is great. So Kingston Heath and Victoria will share the duties of hosting on Thursday and Friday, and then Victoria gets an Australian Open mixed field for the very first time. Um, The men's tournament has never been affiliated with the European Tour, which is now the DP World Tour. Never, ever. Ever. That to me is as wonderful as the men and the women playing together just to see what happens.
2: And it's for two weeks as well because the Australian PGA Championships played at Royal Queensland.
1: Correct, way. So we're now starting to see, in my view, what should have always happened. We should have been part of the European Tour, just like South Africa was for a long, long time. Golf Australia have had their hands tied behind their back because who owned the tournament? I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it. You'll have to cut it out later if it's not. But Golf Australia bought that company out, and then they could negotiate with the European Tour. So that has happened, um, and I can't wait to talk to James Sutherland a little mm. later in this episode. So he picked. I want to talk about that, how that transpired. Hopefully, James will in uh, on a few little secrets. I reckon it's been going for a long time. Them trying to to get their hands back on the Australian, so they had full control.
2: Yeah. And we also had the opening, the official opening. We had the premiere, in fact, and Curry Webb and, and a host of other dignitaries and celebrities of uh, of golf in Australia yeah. here at the uh, at Sandy Golf Links, for the Australian the Australian
1: Golf, golf Center. Golf Center, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, well, you yeah, know, it's been a long time coming. it has been here for a while. You and I have only just got into the media room, which is good, and it sounds so much better. Um, but yeah, it's got it's good you know, to have a home. Uh, I think it'll be used well. I think it'll be used well. Every state will be benefited one way or another.
2: Do you know what I loved hearing? The captain of Royal Melbourne calling Sandy Golf Link's a mini Royal Melbourne. Well, and it is. it is.
1: Yeah, That's, that's Andrew Kirby yep. uh, was his name. He used to be uh, my rival in the under-14s. There you go. He was the second best player in Victoria. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> there you go. There's 14, <laughs> you see. But he was a great. He's been a fantastic uh, captain for Royal Melbourne, a progressive captain for Royal Melbourne. Um, and the partnership with Royal Melbourne, uh, well, that's one of the reasons why uh, this wonderful facility is right here. And that's going to benefit young golfers uh, for a long, long time.
2: All right, well, cannot wait for this chat with the CEO of Golf Australia, James Sutherland's coming up right after the break. Welcome back, and our cherry pick guest for this week is none other than the boss of Golf Australia, James Sutherland. Great to have you back on the show. Such a big week for golf. Big news all around the the traps. But the big one I think we can start with is the Australian Open and the men and women playing together back in Melbourne on the sandbelt. Equal prize money, equal fields, just your your whole perception of that, and and obviously moving forward, and how you're, um, you know, speaking to all the stakeholders about it. Just give us your summary of it.
0: Uh, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Um, look, I think for me, my initial reaction to what you were talking about there is that I'm just so happy to be able to talk about um, the Australian Open coming back. We've had two mm. years of cancellations for a start. But also that um, this is th- there's been a lot of work going on in the background here. There's been a whole lot of moving parts, and and I guess quite a complex jigsaw puzzle to bring the men's and women's open together mm. in the one place, in the one city, and and then the two golf courses. And um, all of those layers have been, I mean, it's, it's been 18, 18 months, two years sort of in the making. And so for me, it's, it's actually quite a relief to be able to talk publicly about it because there's been a lot of uh, stuff going on in the background that's been a little bit secretive. And, um, and I guess we've you know, commercial in confidence and all of that sort mm. of thing. But now we're out in the open and we've got something to look forward to. And, and I believe we've got a great event to, to sell and promote.
1: Everybody who's seen the Victorian Open at Barwon Heads um, understands what it brings to the table. Uh, the crowds down there have been incredible to actually watch and be part of. And, you know, when there's a sea of people on a golf course, it does look fantastic on TV. Um I'm predicting the crowds at Victoria uh, and Kingston Heath on the Thursday and Friday are going to be enormous. Are you ready for that? I mean, because this is going to be something special in Australian
0: golf. I think you're right, Marco, and I think playing over two courses allows us to break records for a start, Mm. um, which which will happen. Uh, One of the things, uh, you know, this year was the first time we've had um, the Vic open back since you know, post COVID or getting to the end of COVID, and and one of the things that really struck me in my experience um, at that event this year at Bowen Heads was um, talking to the players and how much they love the event format and the men and women playing together. That that sort of that whole relaxed environment. You know, I'm talking to players, uh, international players mm. who have come from overseas. I'm talking to Australian players that travel all over the world, and they say of all of the tournaments that they play in, um, that Victorian Open is their their favourite event um, all, of the year.
2: Absolutely. And- and we saw that also at the Australian PGA Championships at Royal Queensland. The same vibe, the same comments were made on the back of that as well.
0: Yeah, and no, I think it, um, you know, I wasn't at the PGA Champs and WPGA Championship, but I watched on TV and I and I just felt that they, they had a different format again because uh, the ladies were playing inside of men's groups. and um, But I found it quite um, compelling to watch and, and I think that um, – as we think about it, both both being there live on course, but also from a television broadcast perspective, I think it is is going to be something different. As we know, yeah. it's it's a world first for a national open to be in this format. Um, so it's a it's a bold move. But um, the more we talk about it. Um, the more confident I am in, in the proposition, crowd-wise, the, the way people will embrace it, and, and I think um, some incredible opportunities for uh, commercial partners as well to get involved.
2: Well, even the big news coming out of the back of it, the DP World Tour co-sanctioning that will come out of those two weeks. So you've got the WPJ PGA, and then heading into the Australian Open. That's massive for Australian golf.
0: Yeah, so first time ever the Australian Open's been co-sanctioned and um, the first time we've had, um, on the men's side at least, this window where there's two weeks. So that will hopefully create a a, a bigger uh, highway for people to come down to, to Australia. So people coming out of the European Tour, DP World Tour, to play in our event. But but it's also, I mean, in a, it's also a signal of the extent to which we, Golf Australia, are working really closely with the PGA of Australasia and, and the tour um, in acknowledging and supporting our summer of golf. So we have a very strong view that there are significant opportunities from working together that will enhance our summer of golf and, by extension, the tour, the men's tour and the women's tour here in Australia. But also... Um, being very clear in um, creating more and better playing opportunities yeah. and then pathway opportunities, which obviously um, there's a gateway back there into um, the European Tour through um, rankings and and all of that sort of thing that um, we're intent on. The Australian Open, of course, has exemptions into the into the Open, yeah. um, British Open, and um, and that will continue um, and be available at the end of this year as well.
1: Uh, in 2022, Cameron Davis is known as the PGA Tour winner. Uh, and someone who just played in the Masters for the first time and, and we loved that. In 2017, he was a kid who won the Australian Open and all he got was $180,000. He didn't get anything else apart from maybe those exemptions you were talking about. We were all wondering why, you know. As people who love golf in this country, we know now that you had your hands tied. Uh, how hard was it to get out of that situation to where you could actually negotiate all those things yourself?
0: Yeah, well... um, I think Marco, there's a, there's a whole lot of components as you touch on, and, and one of the things is that you know the Australian Open was um, managed or promoted, promoted and managed by um, by separate organisations, Sport Five, more recently, and and they did a they did a fantastic job with the scope um, that they have in that role. But but one of the things for us is as I observed was um, we were somewhat limited. We had a contract of basically a service contract with them for them to deliver on certain terms. And that was a, a long-term relationship. But if we wanted to do things, if we wanted to back ourselves and back the Open and do different things, like bring the Women's Open yeah. together with that, then we needed actually to have um, control of that ourselves. And and that was not a in any way a reflection of the job that Sport 5 did previously, but it was more about us um, being very clear in wanting to do bigger and better things with the Australian Open, but also wanting to partner Hand in hand with the PGA here in Australia, um, to ensure that that summer of golf just starts to escalate, and um, as that goes, you know, look, I'm I'm confident that our tour will gain profile. I mean, we, the you know the reality in the world right now is the centre of gravity is in the US. That's where the money is and all of that. But we we have a um, we have a talent pool that is punching above its weight. Got seven or eight players in the top Mm. hundred on the men's side at the moment. Four
2: in the women's and
0: four in the women, and um, that no country um, on on a pound for pound basis compares. And um, and that's a product of our high performance Mm. systems, our culture, but also. the, the the playing opportunities that we provide. Uh,
1: one of the great things about the Ladies Australian Open the last couple of years it's either been part of the LET or it's been a part of the LPGA. They've been getting some great fields. The Australian Open has battled for fields, but now I think it's a different ball game. Now you're going to be very early in the season of the DP World Tour. Uh, when do negotiations start to try and drag down you know some of the better players in the world? Or do you think because if I'm a if I'm a DP World to a player, I want to get off to a cracking start. I'm coming to Australia. You know, if I'm, Os- you know, if I'm, um, I don't know, Sergio from Oslo, I'm getting on the plane and I am coming down to Australia because I've got to get off to a cracking start to secure my card. I, 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 I is this going to be a game changer
0: well, I, I mean I think it's it's certainly a significant attraction um, for players. you know you don't want to or you don't want to give other people a head start do yeah, you no way. Uh, that's part of it so I think that that positioning there at the start of the DP world tour um, is going to be a real positive for us in terms of the um, the influx of players and and there'll be a hopefully a decent chunk of them in the um, in the field um, you mentioned on the on the women's side of things we aren't Co-sanctioned at the moment with any of the um, the international tours. There's a there's just a slight glitch in in the timing. There, there's nothing perfect about timing. But I think that as we elevate the event uh, the pro- and the profile of the event, those opportunities will present. Um, but in the meantime. Um, through DP World Tour, through discussions we'll have with um, various players, both men and women, you know, we're we're pretty confident that we're going to get a good field. First and foremost, I must say though, you know, our priorities are with our Australian players. Yeah, we haven't good. seen them in our, our, our mm. high-profile Australian players. We haven't seen them in Australia for too long, and um, and we want them back. And uh, we'll obviously welcome them with open arms, as I know our fans will.
2: Seven-time major winner Carrie Webb is a big name. Who will be playing the Australian Open, which is just huge. That just that announcement alone, how big is that for Australian golf?
0: Well, it was great, great to hear. Carrie, um, um, she was asked at the at the press conference on Friday about whether she'll play, and she said, yeah. She, you know, she her first reaction was, "I wouldn't miss the opportunity to play at Victoria and Kingston Heath," and I, and I think that in many ways says so much about. Uh, this event, mm. I mean, two absolutely world-class golf courses, and and clearly that's what there is in Melbourne. There's a handful of world-class golf courses, and I think that Marco, you'll know more about this than than me. But but international players are drawn to the sandbelt. Mm. Yep. Um, there's a there's a mystique about it. There's a there's a there's a quality. Um, that just demands or attracts people, and, and hopefully that we'll, we'll see that later on in the year.
1: Yeah, no doubt about the fascination. Uh, one of my fascinations I've just seen you come out of a meeting with all the heads of state of golf, it seems. Um, at the start of the year, there was a, a word coming out that there was going to be some new messaging. I mean, real mission statement style, and I think everyone, their arrows pointed in the same direction. The messaging, the ongoing effort.
0: Where are you at? Well, I, I think um, as we've spoken about on this podcast before, the um, we launched a new strategy at the end of last year. It's not a golf Australia strategy; it's a strategy for Australian golf, and mm-hmm. it was a um, it was a long um, uh, and it it wasn't a tedious process. It was an engaging process, but it was um, purposeful in um, the way we mm-hmm. we engaged with the golf community. I think uh, over ten thousand people. Um, uh, submitted surveys to us, we interviewed a whole lot, we work, workshopped a lot, um, we had strategic planning meetings and we, we've we ended up with a strategy that has um, really been led by ourselves, the PGA and, and the WPGA and um, with other bodies effectively endorsing it. Uh, in some ways, that's the easy part—putting yeah. together a strategy. The hard part is actually delivering mm-hmm. on your ambitions. And we, uh, unashamedly, uh, unashamedly, this is about a growth strategy for golf. It's not—it's saying that we have a great story and we have a great sport, but our potential is so much greater. And, and I think part of that, um, as I may have mentioned to you before. Um, you know, one of the dawning moments for me in the in the data and research that came back was that there are 3 million people that hit golf balls in Australia last year but only 14% of them are members of mm. golf clubs and yet so much of our thinking is around the member of a, of a golf club and so that 86% that aren't golf club members are really our target point. Yeah. We, we want them to feel more comfortable in the game. We want them to hit more golf balls. We want them to have fun and... Uh, and and to feel as though the game is there for them. Can you tell the no
1: golf bag story for us? <laughs> there there are people who would not have heard this story, and they should hear it.
0: Yeah, well, um, here at uh, our um, our head office here at the Australian Golf Centre at Sandy Golf Links, um, there's a there's a pathway as you go down to the driving range, and uh, initially it was set up there with a with a sign. Um, as as you see, um, quite, quite regularly at um, at driving ranges, no. No golf bags allowed. Um, that's that's that was the first sign you saw as you came into the Standard, driving range. at many places. Set, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what it's all about. I think it's maybe still balls. Stealing balls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Brad James, our head of high performance, said to Phil, who's the the general manager here at Sandy Golf Links, he said, "Mate, that's not a that's not a great sign. You know, that's you're welcome to the course and it's like no golf bags allowed." He said, "Yeah, good point. Let me think about that." And anyway, four or five days later, a new sign comes up. And the new sign has the logo of the golf course. And around it, in a, in a circular logo, says four, it says four words, go play, have fun. And I think so when you when you think about the 86% and you think about the messages that we want to tell the, the community around golf as a welcoming, brilliant. inclusive sport, just get out there and play. You can wear your runners. You can wear a T-shirt. You can have a beer out there. You can kick your ball onto the fairway if you're not having a good day or you've played a bad shot. It's it's all okay. Just get out there and have fun.
2: With the national golf strategy pillar five, obviously you and I both know it. Uh, pound you know pound for pound, word for word. Pillar five working together, great great result last week. We had the actual launch um, opening of the Australian Golf Centre. It's uh, it's now out there, um, which is which is us working together. So we've got the WPJ and Golf Australia, and it really is a second. Sorry, the PJ and Golf Australia, and it really is a second home for the WPGA.
0: Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, the strategy is, is there on a page and they're just words, right? Um, practically, if we're in the same building, uh, we can't avoid each other. We need to talk. Yep. Yeah. And, and so that's another fantastic step forward. Um, you know, it, it's a privilege to work um, here at the Australian Golf Centre and to, to be in the same base as, as the PGA and working so closely with the WPGA as well. Uh, as I said before, we, we need to walk the walk. We can't just talk it. But being together here just means those conversations that um, typically might have happened over email or whatever, and they now happen across desks and um, or out on the putting green as we, as we just chat about how we can solve the problems of the Which game. Which is how
2: so many of our meetings are happening now. Yep. It's fabulous. Yep, it is. Is there anything else that you can share with us? Any other little gems? We'll have to wait until we get you back on the show. Uh,
0: no, there's there's plenty plenty going on, but um, I mean, I just feel so optimistic about um, what we've got ahead. Obviously, um, lots of people are playing the game, and um, I, I guess my message to golfers, and I know lots of lots of them are, are listening, is um, let's just keep. You know, If we really truly love our sport, let's just keep thinking about ways in which we can introduce this great sport to others, and um, just. See if you can take a friend out for their first game. Um, Teach them that it's a fun sport and you you don't have to keep score and you don't have to beat yourself up if you're not having a good day. Um, Let's let's take that growth agenda and bring new people to the game. Perfect.
2: Well put. Thank you so much, James. James Sutherland there, the Chief Executive of Golf Australia. Cherry pick for this week. Looking forward to when we chat again. What else will come of it? And we now welcome Amanda Smith, who's the women's captain and on the board of Riverside Golf Club in Launceston, Tasmania, which is our April Visionary of the Year winner. Congratulations to you, Amanda, and to the club. What a wonderful achievement.
3: No, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a certainly big achievement for um, a golf course in um, little old Tassie. So we're very, very proud of ourselves on um, getting that off read all the other ones that have been going around, and I said, oh, we should uh, put something in, but... um Well...
2: Well done. Thank you because. to
3: Simon for uh, nominating
2: us. Oh, <laughs> well, you did. You did put something in, yes. Simon West has been doing a great job in Tassie and you've won. You've won a $500 uh, drum and gift voucher and gone in the running now for $10,000 worth of Callaway uh, golf clubs and and products that are specifically uh, designed and aimed for at women, which is fantastic. Oh, wow. Can That's you, great. Can you take us through the journey? You've been at the club for a number of years and as a captain and on the board, um, where how far riverside has come and 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 why you've got to I mean you just gave us a snapshot but why you've got to this point
3: um, yeah we started off with um, yeah years ago when I first started here um, going on the board we had one one woman on the board and we um, it wasn't as um, seen as um, popular
2: mm-hmm.
3: with ha- you know I had we didn't have half men half women we just had one representative and then I was of recent years uh women getting women into the gulf more, we saw an opportunity to get another lady on the board, so we've got two on the board, so it's a little bit more and, um, yeah, and since I sort of took over the captaincy i I saw. I saw the need for um, we need to obviously grow our numbers of women, and luckily we've got a president now that's pushing that. So um, we wanted to get some clinics running. Um, we got the we had the My golf clinics for the yep, juniors, for the but we didn't have any get into the golf for women yep. clinics. So I went to our pro, Michael Swan, um, and suggested it, and he said, "Yep, you organise it, and I'll just turn up."
2: That's what you want in a pro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, yeah, we got got um, some emails out and started promoting it and we, we initially started doing it on a Thursday afternoon and that didn't work out for too many people because most of the women that we want in that age group work. Yeah, so, of or they have kids and it just wasn't working. So, um, I said, well, you work on a uh, every second Sunday, so can we run the clinics every second Sunday and see how it goes? And, yeah, that... That worked really well. The first couple we've had, you know, twelve and up to eighteen um, members
2: yeah, that's take fantastic. up the opportunity. And, so, yeah. and then Amanda, what's what's the transition? Because you've got a sort of a great step by step process where you, yeah, you transition well, I, the the women into the game.
3: That's right. Well, um, Michael, the the pro. He through the basics of the swing and the putting, etc., and chipping and all that. But mm-hmm. there wasn't a step after that. And so I said, well, how about we have a step called clinic to course once you complete Great the night. clinic. My time on a Sunday afternoon and just take them out for a couple of holes and show them the etiquette of golf and the rules. I mean, there's so many rules. <laughs> so I just showed them the basics and we went out as groups. And they, look, they had a ball, an absolute ball. And... Um, so then, I said, "Right, well, we'll do that for a couple of weeks, whoever's available." And then we um, we offered them as a club a three-hole membership. So a lot of them for a hundred dollars for the for the rest of the year from the clinic. They took up that membership, three holes, and um, yeah, they go, they come out, they get into a group, who's available, and off they go. What they a great, yeah. yeah.
2: What a great initiative, and I and I also believe. Your weekend, your, your club championships and um, weekend competition, is there's, there's only one. It's for men and women.
3: Yep. So um, we've decided that um, we need to make our championships accessible to every, everyone as far as the women go because the men, they hold their championships on the weekends, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday or whatever. But the ladies always had their championships during the week. So the people that worked
2: take like a week
3: off or a few days here and there and it just wasn't practical. So this year we're trying something different and we're starting from Sunday to Sunday, two qualifying rounds. You choose you wanna play which two days you wanna play prior to the that week. You play your two qualifying rounds and then if you qualify in the top four of each grade, then we've got match play on the following Tuesday. So it's quite practical mm. if you to take one day off, not um, a week off to try and play that championship. So we're going to give it a go this year. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I haven't had anyone push back and say no,
2: nope, no, no, no. And I love that you're giving things a go. That's what that's what clubs and facilities need to do: just trial things, see if they work. And another thing that you have put your hand up for and and uh, been successful at is becoming an RNA Women in Golf Charter Signatory, which is all about um, showing from a board level down the gender equality that your club. Um, obviously, the journey that it's it's undertaking, and that it's uh, it's walking the talk, really.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We're um, we're all trying new things, and um, if it's going to encourage more women to get into the game of golf, which is desperately needed, mm-hmm. um, we want to be on board with whatever's that, whatever's out there. So, so there's no barriers, there's no fear, and um, yeah, we have just got to get people in to have a go.
2: Yep well Amanda once again we congratulate you and really appreciate your time coming on the show and continue doing the great work that you're doing at Riverside Golf Club in Tassie
3: awesome.
2: thank you very much
3: and yeah, thanks for the recognition
2: yeah. Yes, pleasure time for all the news from around the traps we've got uh, Martin Blake still is having a little bit of uh, R&R after covering the WA Open and catching the red eyes so it's great to welcome Australian Golf Media's Dane Heverin Dane lots going on over the week like a lot of Fantastic news for Australian golf. I want to ask you first about Harrison Endicott.
4: Thank you, Tiff. Yeah, really big week. Obviously, Harrison had a massive win yesterday morning over on the Corn Ferry Tour. He won by five shots, so quite a commanding win as well, actually. And, um, you know, now he's really sort of looking at the chance of maybe getting onto the PJ Tour next year. The, he jumped from 103rd to 12th on the Corn wow. Ferry wow. rankings. That's a huge yeah. jump at
1: this time of the season. I mean... Well, they've only, they only got about four months left, haven't they?
4: Yeah, and so the, the top 25 get a PJ Tour card. Right. So he's in the
1: position now to hang on to that spot. So we're in May. It must have been going for four months. So we're yep. kind of only halfway through the season. Yep. To get a jump like that is absolutely enormous.
2: The big thing with him, I read, he's, he uh, started out with a tied for 19th and then didn't finish any better than tied for 32. And he's been toying away f- since 2017 when he turned pro, really finding it pretty tough, had a, um, quite a few um, tragedies happen within his family as well. So just understanding his his mental approach and being able to actually stick it out to finally get that win.
4: Yeah, well, he was very emotional after his win. His, um, his mother passed away when he was 19, unfortunately, mm. of ovarian cancer. So you could tell, obviously, it meant a lot to him and his family. And he's, um, he's actually been over there on the Corn Ferry Tour for three years now. So he really has stuck it out and kept plugging away. And I think it's a good example of, you know, that it will turn and will
1: come mm. eventually for players. Uh, especially players with class and players with pedigree. You know, we see so many of these kids come through Golf Australia uh, and the tournaments that they play in, um, and that keeps them in good stead, but it has to keep going. You know, you, you can't stop once you turn professional. And the fact that he's found his way onto the Corn Ferry Tour and getting a regular regular work there, which means playing in tournaments, um, playing with the best players, seeing how others prepare, um, watching how they shoot the low scores, uh, that the American players just seem to shell out all the time. It's enormous for them, Tiff. How
2: much money would it cost to toy, toil on the Corn Ferry Tour? He won 190000 I think it was Australian, for that win.
1: One of the great things they do over there is they, they organise the tour so you can drive. Um, and they've been doing that right from the very start. So, incredibly, rental cars over there. I mean, if you if you just pack up from Sydney and and nick over there, uh, the first thing you do is get a rental car wherever you're staying. Or some people even buy an old van. Yeah. So, so that that stops you you know going crazy with the flights. So that, that that's one cheap way of doing it. Everything else is exactly the same as the PGA tour. Because you, you can't stay in hovels. Mm. Because if you're staying in hovels and someone's staying in reasonable places, then that's a disadvantage. Yeah. It's a disadvantage mentally. Uh, it's a disadvantage comfort. So to me, uh, you know, it costs you almost the same. And if you're employing a regular caddy, you're not just picking up a kid at the start of the week, that's a huge advantage. You want some you – know, one of the great fallacies about professional golf is that it's an individual sport. Mm. It's not. Mm. Because if you if you stand on the first hole of the fourth round and you've got a kid, uh, you're by yourself, and you're competing against a very good player who has a partner in a caddy who he's had for the last two years and they know what makes them tick, then you're at a disadvantage. Yep. So you want a good caddy. And if you want to get onto the PGA Tour, you've got to invest. And unfortunately, if you... Uh, just an average player, yeah, sometimes talent will get you onto the PGA Tour regardless. But if you're just an average garden variety, corn fairy tour type, um, you'd want every advantage possible if you're dreaming of getting to the Mm. PGA Tour.
2: His victory, a great uh, reflection again of the rising talent of Australian golf.
1: Yeah,
4: and he also got quite the world rankings jump from it. So he, he was 754 in the world, now he's up to 351.
1: Yeah, that's that. that's very, very good. With the amount of golfers that they have today, mm. anything in the top 500 is actually, you know, you can hold your head up high when you're telling somebody. Um, it doesn't seem right that you're 300. You <laughs> You'd be happy about it. But uh, in today's world with... You know, DP World Tour, and all the amateurs, amateurs are getting rated right in the World Golf. Yeah, So it's enormous just to do that.
2: And even we looked 12 months ago where Min Woo was. yeah, And right. it now he's in the top 50. He managed to get a start at the that Masters. And then he finished what tied for 12th or something. What you're yeah hair away. You, yep. You're
1: not that far away. You might be one shot around the way. If you're in the top 500, let's say a shot and a half. A shot and a half is nothing. A shot and a half is getting your putting right. Mm. A shot and a half is hitting better wedges. A shot and a half is becoming a better bunker player. There's a thousand ways to improve a shot and a half at this level, but a shot and a half is the difference between top 500 and top 50 in the world.
2: Mm. Who else played well?
4: well? There are a lot of players who are only probably a shot and a half away in action in Australia this weekend. And over in WA at the WA Open at Royal Freeman, or um, Braden Becker won for the first time in his career. And it was absolutely amazing the last hole of how he
1: won so just tell us about the last hole because i, I yeah. know he only shot 72 in the last mm-hmm. round and i think it was 19 under at the start and shot the 72 and finished at 19 under or shot even par and finished 19 under. yeah
4: so the the 18th at royal freeman was a par five yeah and so his fourth shot he had a wedge into the green are you kidding
1: oh. <laughs> what happened what happened before that
4: uh, I'm not quite sure what exactly happened okay. before that <laughs> but, but so he tipped out. Wow. Yeah. He's in a bad drop.
2: Yeah.
4: He, um yeah so he had a wedge into the green mm. and his wedge shot's gone, you know, to the back of the green. Hit his playing partner's ball. Oh. It, oh. it did not. Oh. This is a circus. And rolled back to a foot from the hole. Oh, oh, it
1: did
2: coming. not. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that's golf.
1: Oh, can we please get please tell me there is uh, some kind of video put of that. We we'll, we'll need to on put on that, out. that Tweet, tweet Not yet. enough people know about this story. I had no idea this happened. Yeah, well, Blakey was
4: over there and was covering it. So, you know, there are a few videos floating around of the
1: final parts. And
2: So watch out for our Twitter handle, yeah. golf Show, and we'll put it up there.
1: There has been no – I'll say this. There has been no luckier break on the 72nd hole to win a tournament in the history of golf than <laughs> that. I can't think of one. Yeah. I can oh. think of some unlucky breaks. But I can't think of a lucky outbreak. How far away was the ball that he hit? So the ball that he hit was like on back the, of the fringe green. at the back of the green.
2: So so it uh, was off over. Yeah. Gone to the Netherlands. Yeah.
1: So his ball wouldn't have spun back onto the green. I'm tipping. I don't think so. It's no. got food I think and it over there. Yeah. I think it would have
4: got stuck, stuck in the rough. Yeah. So it gets stuck in a, luckiest thing I've ever I heard. Be, I hope he shouted in my
2: his life. playing partner. A, <laughs> a few beers after that.
4: Something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was an yeah, amazing
1: story. and then, Hopefully you can ride the wave of luck and, and really mm. get moving in the world of golf.
4: Yeah, and then up at Gadda Tweed Heads, we had the Women's New South Wales Open, mm. the Ladies European Tour, and uh, they actually renamed the trophy for that tournament after Jan Stevenson. Oh, great. Right. So, yeah. so that was a nice touch, and that was won by Maya Stark, who's a Ladies European Tour player, but um, Aussie rookie pro Cassie
1: Porter came fourth, was a massive result she's for a, her a, and
2: she's a great ambassador for the game did she she's play well so the
1: week good. before in Bonville as well I've got a feeling I can remember seeing her name
4: she did play well but she wasn't quite up there yeah okay one person who backed it up from Bonville was 15 year old amateur Sarah Hammett yeah amazing yeah, 15 and then
2: Kirsten girl. Rudgley did well, I think she was tied for 12th or yeah
4: Kirsten Rudgley made top 10, yeah, finished, top 10 yeah tied for 10 can you tell
1: me some more about this young
4: amateur yeah, so she's from Queensland. Um, she actually wasn't able to play for Queensland in the recent interstate series because uh, she was born over in the UK and isn't a citizen yet. Oh. Right. So, um, yeah, the powers that be up in Queensland Let's we'll get the paperwork to sign happening. her up pretty quickly. Yeah. So,
1: so we could have New Zealanders playing for the Wallabies <laughs> and we can't have a young lady who lives in a state play for New, New South Wales.
4: Yeah, so her family's lived up on the Gold Coast for like seven or eight years now and um, – She's yeah. lived
1: on the Gold Coast for seven years and she yeah. can't play for que- – is it Queensland? Or, yeah. yeah. She can't play for Queensland.
4: And, like, when I spoke to her at the Australian Amateur, you wouldn't pick it because at 15, having been in Australia for seven or eight, there's no accent yeah. there. Like, she's an Australian, so hopefully the paperwork will get yeah, lodged
1: shortly. Absolutely. Right, maybe eh? well, It might be too late. I mean, if she's uh, performing like this. Yeah. You know, we see a lot of young ladies turn professional a lot earlier than the than the fellas. Mm. Lydia Coe, hello. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah.
4: That's it? Yeah, no, no, speaking of amateur golf, we also had a big announcement. The um, Queen Syracet Cup, which is on later this month, which is uh, a women's Asia Pacific team event. The Australian team was announced, so right. we got the two Curry Webb scholarship oh, holders: uh, Kirsten Rudgling, Caitlin Pierce, and Kelsey Bennett. The three going right. over there. So. Walk up starts
1: really, aren't they? Uh, they're outstanding mm. in their...
2: Watch this space for those in a names. field
1: here in Australia.
2: Over the next couple of years. Good stuff, yeah. Dane.
1: Very, very good, Dane. Thank you, sir. Thank you awesome, thank you.
2: And we've got Marco's Masterclass. I'm looking forward to this one after this. Marco's Masterclass, and it is the former world number one John Ra. Marco's caught your eye.
1: Uh, that's right. He had a big win uh, at the Mexican Open, the first time that tournament was played, and a very worthwhile one. Looked great on the TV, I must say. Uh, but... One of the things I love about the way John Rahm plays his golf is the acceleration through the ball. Now, it's probably born of necessity. He's got one of the shortest backswings we have ever seen. You'll see a lot of instruction about turning the hips out of the way, straightening the left leg, doing all these things to get the... Coordinated people, and there are a lot of coordinated people out there. Sometimes you can get past this just with a thought like accelerating through the ball. There are others in the world of golf. You know, you might have taken up the game late or whatever the reason is, and you need to think about hips. You need to think about maybe the left shoulder going up. You need to think about all these other little bits and pieces that, that make a golf swing work. For coordinated folks, a simple thought like just accelerating through the ball makes it all happen. It's like magic. You just get the club to continue on. Uh, and what I love about it is the only time it looks like he has effort in his swing is probably when he's in his downswing at hip high. And then he launches into that thing. And he launches into it with a repetition. And the repetition is his acceleration is at the same intensity every single time. And that's the beautiful part about this simple Simple, simple golf swing. So if you are having trouble um, uh, with the balance at the end of your swing, it can be as simple as the acceleration through the ball being consistent, Mm -hmm. being the same intensity every time you go through. So if you're looking for that beautiful balance finish that you see so many of the best players in the world have, think about just the acceleration. Think about where your effort should be. There shouldn't be too lots of effort. (laughs) Some people, they have this big, pull down from the top, and then they've got to accelerate as well. doesn't work. So maybe this time to make things work, to make the world go round in a golf swing, just think about your acceleration in the hitting area. Sometimes it works like magic.
2: And the ball goes so much further.
1: Uh, So much further.
2: Good stuff. Thanks, Marco. Catch you next week.